Hello there and welcome to the Cicada Lounge podcast. My name is Jordan Foster and joining me today for a bit of a chat is Miss Sophie Watson. Sophie is the manager at the Brighton Lush Store, which is uh, it's a bit of a regular haunt really. Any, anything I need cosmetic wise, I always go there. Uh, Sophie herself is an expert in all things Lush, as you would hope a manager of Lush to be. Uh, I met her multiple times, uh, over and over again. Keep bumping into her, typically beach cleans. Like the first beach clean we did, we met her there too, and uh, we were halfway through a beach clean. Uh, she called us over and asked if me and my missus wanted to make a bath bomb. And it turns out that they turn up there and as an incentive, not that you need an incentive to clean a beach, anyone cleaning the beach, they get to make their own free bath bomb, which is really cool actually. I really like mine. We've got like three now. So you pack it all into this little um, cast with the help of a Lush employee, obviously. And you uh, press it into the mould and you press it together and then you've got to leave it for 24 hours for it to set. And we've got three now, I think all in different flavours and colours. Flavours, more colours, more, no, more smells, aromas, there we go, different aromas. But yeah, every time we've bumped into her, she's she's been great, she's been really knowledgeable on all things Lush and uh, a big advocate for anti-animal testing, all that kind of thing, you know, talking about all of the vegan line products that they've got. Yeah, speaking of, um, speaking of products, after we did this interview not long ago, went downstairs and she asked me if I wanted to try any new Lush products and I said I've been having I've been I've got a bit of dry skin because it's been really sunny out and I've got a beard they're not great together beard and sunny so she recommended this beard and facial wash called beard and face beard and facial wash called Kalamazoo and I'm holding it right now it's great stuff and it says on the on the iconic black pot keep things bright and bushy with almond apricot kernel and jo- jojoba bee jojo jojoba oils hope i got that right jojoba oils this refreshing wash will soften your beard and cleanse your skin and of course it's got the vegan sunflower stamp of approval right on it it's great stuff this is my favorite favorite wash now and now we're going to go back and speaking of the iconic black pots um, we go into quite a bit of depth on what they what they actually get turned into. I'm, I'm sure if you're um, aware of Lush, they they take back their their black pots, the their black cosmetic pots, the really iconic ones. And I always thought that they were just going to melt them down and turn them into more black pots, which they do. But they also have all kinds of different uses for them, and how they make the original ones aside from reusing um, the black pots that they get in on a daily basis. It's just fascinating, the whole process is fascinating. You'll have to hang around and listen to the whole process. You'll just have to wait and see, I should say. Just wait and see and you'll hear all about it. Brilliant, that about does it. Let's crack on. How have you been, mate? Like, now it's recording. I can't (laughs) believe we had that warm-up session without that Uh... fucking thing recorded. (laughs) Um, no, yeah, I've been good. Yeah. It's been, um, yeah, it's been a big, busy, busy week in the shop. We've had yeah. um, lots of visits, and um, you're just telling me how much you made. Like, what was it yesterday? How much we made? Yeah, five thousand pounds yesterday. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, we. I think we. I think we're really fortunate to be um, the brand that we are in Brighton. Yeah. There's like when you think about the values of Lush. Like ethical buying, fighting animal testing, yeah. 
uh, fresh, handmade, naked. Like they're all values that are really in line with the Brighton community. Yeah. So I, I feel very fortunate to be a manager of a shop like yeah. this in in Brighton. Yeah, definitely. Well, as far as I've heard of Lush, it's really Beck that got me into buying or even paying attention to any kind of Lush products. But um, yeah, it's where did, where did it start? America was it? it started in America. Really? Pool. Pool. So the first Lush shop and the Lush, all Lush manufacturing for the, well, all of the UK market um, and some of Europe, because we now have a manufacturing place in Dusseldorf in Pool. Pool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so the, the Close a- to home. Yeah, the Lush shop and the Lush factory is actually part that of um, Mark and Mo Con- Constantine, who are two of the founders of the business, um, right. the flat that they had in Pool. Really? Yeah. When was this? What year ago? Uh, 97 was when Lush was founded, but um, years prior to that, they had a mail order company called Cosmetics to Go. Yeah. Um, so you could uh, order uh, some of the products that we use today um, and some other old style products um, on this service and they would be delivered to you. Um, that company actually ended up going bankrupt because oh, for wow. every um, for every package that went out, I believe that they ended up losing a pound. Really? Um, so one of Mark Constantine's um, like biggest like phrases and like ethoses is uh, the right to make mistakes. Yeah. Because Lush wouldn't be what it is and where it is now without the lessons that we learnt from cosmetics to go. Right. See. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a UK-based um, company. We have lots of partner markets, yeah. obviously now. Um, so uh, I was just telling you about Jacob, who's from Lush, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. Novi Shkimov from uh, Prague. Yeah. He's uh, visiting our shop this week, and yeah, we've got stores in. I think we've got like our second shop in Thailand now. Wow! Um, just now. Yeah, I think I remember the first one was the year I first started with the company, which would have been twenty. 16 i think we were opening our first shop in thailand and it was really exciting because a lot of the furniture that we use is reclaimed wood i was trying to find someone oh, yeah. um, like reclaimed wood but for the store concepts in thailand they wouldn't want to kind of import the sort of wood that we would usually see in the uk there oh, okay. so they obviously have a lot of you know bamboo and you know a lot more kind of like textiles and textures that are found there yeah yeah um but yeah, we do have, there is a huge North American um, lush market, but yeah. no, born and bred in the, in wow. the UK. Like even back then, does lush always have these ethical standards that are so prevalent when you walk into the store? Yeah, so the what, like, what I learned on my first day as a sales assistant and what I teach everyone now is the, the ethics are the foundation of our business and they are the things that we, we won't compromise on. Yeah. So, um, for example... Ethical buying is a huge value to us, so making sure that um, we're source, sourcing our products ethic, ethically, but also thinking about the people that are growing the ingredients, manufacturing the ingredients. And um, so for some years, uh, the glitter that we have, um, it's called synthetic mica, but right. mica is actually an ingredient that in- occurs naturally. It's a mineral that can be mined. Um, so we did use to source wow. mica naturally from India. Is that not expensive? 
That yeah. sounds expensive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think um, that's that's a lot of conversations we have with customers um, yeah. about the pricing of our products. Um, we recently have had another price increase, um, and it is it is reflective of um, the quality of the ingredients, yeah. the investment, and the amount of work that has gone into um, ensuring that you know you know when you're buying a product from us that the person who you know grew that aloe yeah. um, is being paid a fair wage. They have you know um, great accommodation accommodation like fair like breaks their education is being invested in their community is being invested in um and with micah um there is there's a team in our company called the buying team so they will go to um you know go to cooperatives and communities all around the world to source the best ingredients um but they'll also check in to kind of make sure that you know the the workers and the communities and everyone is kind of doing well and when they went to um check in on the mica project in india they did find that um some children were being sent into the mines to retrieve the mica i see so we stopped um sourcing mica naturally and we found a synthetic way to do which is using like minerals vegetable fats seaweed and it's actually something that's made in germany now so it was far more important to us to find a safe synthetic of something in our product than it was to continue to source it naturally but it be at the detriment of you know humans yeah yeah um so there's there's yeah loads of examples where we've um yeah but we we just want to make sure that our values are it, it's something that we would we would never compromise on, and something that the brand has done recently is um, a percentage of the company. I think it's around ten percent has been given to the staff, right. and that is because um, you know Mark and Mo, Helen, Rowena, our founders. Um, I'm sure, like if Mark ever heard this, he wouldn't mind me saying this. <laughs> but at the last retail meeting, he made a comment about them not getting any younger. Right. You know, he's in his sixties. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think it's Rowena's sixtieth birthday this year. Um, and they want to make sure that the company, like its values and, you know, the things that are yeah, important persist, to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's protected. Mm. Um, there are lots of other companies, like for example, the body shop that started with, you know, some amazing values, which I'm so pleased now that they're now owned by, um, I can't remember who they're owned by, but they're owned mm. by a brand now that doesn't, um, doesn't test on, on animals and they're kind mm. of, you know, really finding their roots again. Um, but 10% of the company is now invested in the Employee Benefit Trust. Um, so 10% of the company is owned by Lush staff. And we recently, um, all of the stores had the opportunity to elect someone who is going to end up going to meetings mm. and making sure that, you know, the campaigns that we do, the the products that we're making, the messages that we're communicating, it's, it's in everyone's best interest and it go straight back to those ethics yeah which i think is so quite crazy like how many it's a pro- i mean we're a privately owned company and yeah. how many privately owned companies decide to give privately owned yeah really? decide to give a portion of that company away to to its staff yeah um yeah, yeah that's really <laughs> crazy but yeah. i'm just like thank you mark yeah that's insane. um but it's it's yeah it's as i said it's just to make sure that um you know in the years to come uh, Lush doesn't find itself in the hands of, of someone who um, would want to compromise those ethics yeah. because, hmm. you know, we, we're so transparent with a lot of things with our customers with, you know, I mean, you can look at um, 
we're in we're in the stockroom right now, so there isn't any there isn't any potted products. <laughs> just like, boxes. Like I'm maybe afraid. just like boxes of bath bombs. Yeah. But, I mean, I've got a pot of curly wrestling around there. <laughs> I've got a pot of curly whirly here. Curly whirly. And you can see all of the ingredients on that product. You can see the person who made it. Yep. There's yeah. a picture of them when they made it. Like how many like how many more brands like are that are that transparent? Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I really love as well is we um, we do use safe synthetic. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sitting away, aren't I? Yeah. Um, we do use safe synthetic, so we do use um, parabens. Yeah. Um, it is a preservative that is I know is like people find quite controversial, but it is a preservative that has been around for hundreds of years. We know the most about it, um, and um, in order to to in order to like label an ingredient. Um, you don't have to label an ingredient that is less of a percent of the total amount of ingredients. Right, okay. So yeah. when you look at the labels of things, there might be some more things in there. But mm. obviously, if they're less than a percent, you're yeah. not obliged by um, advertising standards to label. Yeah. Um, so we use a third of a percent of the synthetic preservatives in our products. But we will still list if any product has a paraben in it. Oh, wow. So okay. even though we're not technically yeah. obligated to do so, you will. Yeah, it's, yeah. we will do it because it is all about transparency. And we also don't want to hide it. Like We have lots of conversations yeah. with customers about parabens, SLS, like these kind of ingredients that, yeah. um, you know, perhaps they have heard some things about or are worried about. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just about complete, complete transparency and, well. and confidence in what people are yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I was literally about to say you want to develop a, a basis of trust with your client base, especially when I was just walking around down downstairs and so many of your products are vegan friendly. Mm -hmm. And to be a vegan, as far as I'm, I'm not vegan myself, but to be a vegan, it's a real fine line between veganism and straying off if you don't read, say, a product that you're going to eat later or, you know, it might have some kind of animal extract or yeah. be sourced irresponsibly well a hundred percent of the products are vegetarian yeah um and i think at the moment so we used to be 84 percent vegan but from april we have got rid of eggs completely wow so we've um we're using um like soya silken tofu as yeah. an alternative to eggs um so i imagine now we're probably operating at at least ninety percent vegan. Yeah. Um, so the animal-based products we use. That's impressive. Are, yeah. That's really impressive. It's um it's funny though we had um we had a comment on our Instagram recently from someone who said um, you know when are you going to go the whole hog? Yeah. Um and the whole hog. We, yeah the whole yeah <laughs> the, the whole, whole the whole hog. <laughs> um yeah like when are you going to like be completely vegan? Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but it was at this point that the recorder just decided to inexplicably stop recording for a while. And when it began again, we were talking about guilty pleasures. So back on with the podcast. Yeah, you know, should I crack on? Yeah. But I just decided to watch <coughs> Made in Chelsea. Made in Chelsea? <laughs> it's a like guilty pleasure. Made in Chelsea? Yeah. Oh no, to be fair, my missus uh, started to watch Love Island. I say started to watch. She's like up to date <laughs> oh my god i've never i've never watched love island yeah. but um no bane and chelsea's just like it's so ridiculous yeah 
it's no, so it re- is, yeah. yeah and everyone is just such a there's like, legitimate villains in it as well yeah like, it's spencer right um he, i mean he's not in it anymore oh, right, okay. <laughs> no, it's, he's like a dad now dad of father of two really? no it's yeah it's wow really he's a dad yeah like wow. he's like he's married to some model yeah now. yeah yeah um, but yeah no it's yeah guilty pleasure yeah. that and something that i've watched for years which i'm quite ashamed why yeah teen mom Teen Mom. Do you remember I've that? heard of that. Oh my god. It was the 16 and pregnant and right. now it's Teen Mom. Oh, like right. awful. I see. Awful. <laughs> but I think it's because I was 16 when that show came out. Yeah. So, or maybe I was like 17. Uh, yeah. But now it's just like, I watched, watched this program when I was 16 and I'm still <laughs> kind of watching it. Now I'm yeah. almost 30. Yeah, yeah. Well, so am I really. God, that's a depressing thought. But um, my guilty pleasure, I think, is watching like YouTube videos that I used to watch in 2009, things like that. Like? Like, um, just people pratting around and doing, you know when people used to do dubs to famous, like, yeah. music pieces, like yeah. that? Just makes me laugh. Oh, <laughs> oh, and, oh, so for 30 minutes a week, I watch this BuzzFeed thing, and it's basically, I know what I'm doing, I am watching someone play The Sims. Really? Oh yeah, let's the please. Hundred, yeah, hundred baby challenge. Right. So it's basically they ha- you have one matriarch and you need to have a hundred different fathers. Wow. And they have a hundred babies, and she's like like an ant. Yeah, it's like thirty <laughs> episode episode twenty four, right. and she's had like forty children, and a new episode comes out every Saturday. Yeah. I, I spend and I legitimately spend thirty minutes of my week essentially watching someone else play The Sims. Really. Yeah. Is it entertaining? Yeah, I mean, but but, I mean, I don't know if people would find it entertaining because it's just, oh my god, it's ridiculous. But I, for some reason, and I normally do it like when I'm on the train or something. I just find it soothing. Yeah. But um, awful because she does the same thing. It's just like have a baby, like get the baby to a toddler, to a child, to a teenager, to an adult. Yeah. Just for clarification, we're talking about guilty pleasures. We're now recording. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Just while I sorted out the microphone, so it was playing up. But yeah. Oh my god! How cringe. I can't wait. Yeah. To so uh, I'm the manager of Lush Brighton. And yeah. I uh, watch someone play The Sims every week. I am professional. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> I think that just that just shows it, doesn't it? You don't have to be. I don't know. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. Like when people want to speak to the manager i think sometimes when i rock out of the office and i'm like hi yeah i think <laughs> people are like yeah. um who are you who? Yeah. Like, excuse me do you work here <laughs> oh, i'll turn that down again there we go it's this new setup you see this I mean, whole I'm just, crane thing. I know, I'm so pleased that yeah, the racking, the racking just worked, steady, right? worked beautifully. Yeah. I've got a tripod, trusty old tripod that is older than me by two decades. <gasps> <laughs> Where did you pick that up? My granddad. Oh my yeah, God. My granddad was a photographer, yeah. And he gave me this old thing with an old Olympus camera. Yeah. That's Lovely. so amazing. I know. You could kill a burglar with this thing. My goodness. It's heavy. <laughs> I was going to say, it looks weighty. I love that yeah. it's a branded hobby as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your hobby. Have you oh. always been interested in photography? and? More or less, yeah, always. Ever since I left school, it's just always been a form of escapism, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, and then I think, I don't know why I moved on to film. I just 
suppose because we see in moving images, it was just the next best thing. I, I used to be a vlogger and I used to really enjoy that, but the, the amount of time it took to film the vlog and then kick it out the door, edited, fully polished, was a bit of a pain in the neck and it took a really long time, but this is great, this podcasting gig, because mm. you can just record it straight onto the computer and then just, I can edit it tonight and it'll be up tomorrow. Yeah. Immediate. It's so immediate and I love it. And it's up to date and it's like news to me. I love that kind of thing. Yeah, I can see what you mean with like vlog vlogging. I imagine it, mm. like the process of it takes the fun out of it. Yeah. Although I still film, I still professionally film, but um, to have something where it's quick and snappy and out the door that day, mm. you know, you have to really put everything on hold if you can edit a video. But yeah, no, this podcasting gig is absolutely brilliant. I love it. Do you like podcasts? Do you listen to many? Um, I listen to a few lush ones. I think I'm more of a... There's a lush podcast. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's... So um, if you go on the website and on uh, Lush Labs, there's links to um, podcasts. I think um, they've done a new series recently of podcasts with the founders. Right. So kind of talking oh, wow, about really? like their inspiration and like, for example, um, Mark Constantine, he's a trichologist. Right. So a hair, hair and scalp doctor. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, that's something that whenever we talk to customers about our hair care. And, Word of the day. You know, yeah. yeah. But they're like, you know, is is it really going to work? Is it, you know, is a shampoo bar really as good as, yeah. you know, people are raving about? And it's like, well, our, well the, our founder is a hair and scalp doctor. Yeah. That is his bread and we, butter. We have a guy. Yeah. I, I think I'm more of a TED Talk yeah. sort of person. Oh, I love TED Talks. Yeah. TED Talks are great. The videos are fantastic. Yeah, and I yeah. think that for me it's like receiving receiving information and being able to, I don't know, hmm. like some of the TED Talks you just see like people's like performances. and Yeah, you do, yeah. At the moment um, we have amongst the managers in Lush a book club. Right. So every few months uh, a book is kind of popped out and we all read it and at the next retail meeting we discuss it. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah. I've watched a few TED Talks on, yeah, whenever the author, whenever like a, the book comes out, I always try and see if that author's done a TED Talk and it just right. kind of helps me, I don't know, when I'm reading that book, picture that person saying the things. Right, I like, see, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we had um, Dare to Lead by Brené Brown. Yeah. Um, so she actually has like a Netflix, okay. there's a show on Netflix at the moment. What's that called? Um... I don't know. Don't I can't. I can't remember. <laughs> but it's basically about like the key to leadership is vulnerability. Okay. The key. That's to, interesting. Yeah, the key to being a strong leader and to building like building a strong team and a strong build business and a strong foundation is allowing yourself to be vulnerable and allowing yourself to be human. Right. Um, because out of that is where you know respect and you know lots of other great kind of I don't know. Yeah working relationship um like relationships come out of is yeah. an element of you know i'm just a person trying to figure things out as well yeah yeah um is that why you insist on being the dumbest person in the group yeah probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no i think it's just you know it's being real realistic like i i'm very happy with my job i'm happy yeah. that out of the 30 people that applied for it that yeah, it's, it's I, an excellent position yeah that yeah. i was successful but I, I think I'm just very aware of my skills hmm. and what I'm lacking. Yeah. So when I'm recruiting or building a team, making sure that um, 
yeah, that the next... That's great. It's felt very self-aware. Yeah. Well, at yeah. the moment, we're recruiting a new trainee manager. Right. Which is... Um, so, Lush doesn't have assist- assistant managers. Yeah. They have trainee managers. So, it's... Um, the idea is that your role is a developing and training role. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm recruiting for a new trainee. Wow. Um, that's uh, an internal one. The deadline's on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. An internal so, one. Yeah. yeah. Internal to Lush. Yeah. Um, and that's just because we've got... <clears throat> so much coming up recently yeah. so i i think then the person who becomes a trainee of the shop is going to be a hit the ground running yeah. sort of vibe because pride is in less than oh, you excited i am so excited. so excited yeah so we've yeah i've got we've got some things happening that yeah. i'm not allowed to say because it's secret <sighs> no hints no hints at all <sighs> what's happening well, we we gonna... I don't want you to get sacked. But no, is there any hints? oh no, I, no, don't worry, I won't, won't get sacked. Um, so there are definitely some things that we did last year. Yeah. That are coming back this year. So last year we worked with guns. Right. So the local florist, um, florist here in Brighton. Right. Um, so yeah. we did floral hair braiding in the shop. Yeah. So people could come in and um, cool. just get pride ready. Um, we supported the LGBT switchboard. Yeah. Last year with a charity bath bomb called oh. Rainbow Bryson. Wow. Um, so all of the sales of that bath bomb, excluding VAT, went straight straight to Switchboard. Um, so we had we had five hundred that came to the shop, and we sold I think four hundred and ninety two because we demoed eight, obviously right. showing customers yeah. Yeah, eight yeah. of them. So we raised after VAT two thousand one hundred and twenty one pounds. That's brilliant for them. Um, so we're going to be supporting them again this year, yeah. but that's what I can't tell you. Oh, okay. I can't tell you how, yeah. but at Lush Brighton, hmm. follow us, Yeah. Um, and all of the secrets and stuff will be coming out soon, but I'm very excited. You've got all the Twitters and the Instagrams and things like that. Uh, not Twitter, not but Twitter. In- Instagram, Facebook, um, yeah, I think the, I think individual stores stop doing Twitter... A year and a half ago. Okay. And I think it was just, um, I think Instagram mm. is, it's a platform that really lends itself to a lush shop. Because, it's visually based, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I, it gets you, gives you a real great insight into that shop's team, mm. um, the layout of the store. Yeah. And I think it really helps like showcase like an individual store's personality because whilst we are all... Um, Whilst we all work for Lush, yeah. um, each store, if you visit a Lush shop, will be entirely different. Um, as a manager, you're given yeah, a lot yeah. of freedom over what happens and what you do with your business That's because great. because you know your business yeah. more so than you know um, like a retailer or or one of the founders. Like you, you yeah. know, like for example, what the Brighton customers are loving and yeah, because um, yeah, even though it's a large chain, it feels like a mom and pop shop really yeah Yeah. it feels like it's owned by privately owned i suppose yeah Yeah. i think it's yeah like before um before lush i was uh like traveling for a few years but before that i was in um after i left uni i wanted to get a job to help me kind of top up my travel fund yeah so i went into management in supermarket retail Mm. and it's just a lot of a lot of processes a lot of red tape that I think just it 
it creates a barrier between yeah. you and the customer. It creates a barrier between you and your team. Definitely. And um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until I kind of came to Lush that I was able to be in, um, be in an environment where, <laughs> be in an environment where, you know, I can, yeah, all of those, all of those like processes and those needless things like hmm. aren't, yeah, they don't they don't stop stop me from being able to like get to know my team or doing the best like yeah so one of the things we have in lush is uh compassion like compassionate leave and lush sick pay mm. um so um and that's completely you know discretionary so i've had um like people in my team in the last year who have taken time out because of you know surgery or needed to take time out because of something that they're going through yeah and i don't need to ask permission mm. to make that call on on how I, how much i can support them financially right whereas i remember when i was uh working like managing the supermarket i was in i had a member of staff who whose grandparent had passed away yeah and they were not in a good place but they also could not afford to be working like they couldn't they wouldn't be able to pay their bills if they weren't at work yeah um, so I tried to find out what the kind of compassionate leave kind of policy, what I could offer that member of staff. Mm. And the response I got from the HR department was because it wasn't an immediate member of the family. Right. Like immediate for them was parent or sibling. Wow. Okay. So because it wasn't immediate, it meant that they would be offered no financial support, but obviously I could give them like unpaid time off. Good grief. Um, so what I had to do, well which you know that's a hard position to be yeah that's and a it's a really hard position because it's it's not treating someone as a human no it's not under i mean and i mean her her relationship with her grandparent was you know her grandparent practically raised them yeah. so it was just a, a parent essentially yeah. it's just a parent um so what i had to do i think uh, for those two weeks i had to process it as holiday yeah, oh so my. they were paid but obviously that isn't yeah. holiday that wasn't a fun time yeah. for them but but they were they were grateful and but it was very bittersweet because obviously they were having paid time but it wasn't yeah yeah but within within lush like that's not um yeah that's not mm. something i think one of the things i said in my training manager interview because i used to work at the cribs causeway store was that i felt that in my management experience like working in those that kind of environment i was held back right and i wasn't able to kind of be be the person be the human be the leader that i'd like to be hmm. and that it just seemed the two weeks i'd spent being a self assistant in lush like it just seemed that you know you, people were treated as they as you know, humans as humans yeah, yeah as human beings speaking of the specific lush store in brighton mm -hmm. how much of a um, like an outreach do you try and have like on local like conservation efforts or like i saw you guys at the beach clean the yeah. other day yeah how often is that how much do you focus on that um so whenever there is a peer-to-peer -peer beach clean we are there now yeah. um so we've been collaborating with amy and peer-to-peer -peer now since october yeah and that all started um so most Septembers, I don't think one's happening this year, um, there's usually a big Lush event called The Showcase. Okay. And it's a um, it's an event where we kind of update new product and what's going on with, like, campaigns and charity. Hmm. And our founder... So our founder, Mark Constantine, unveiled the secret plan for Lush. And it was called The Secret Plan, but it, it's not a secret. Yeah. 
Um, and one of the elements from the secret plan was for us to be number one in every category. Okay. So he wants us to get to a place that when people think of hair care... Yeah, Lush. They think of Lush. Yeah. When people think of shaving, they think of Lush. And yeah. he's like, you know, how are we going to do that? How are we going to innovate products, give our customers what they, what they need and what they want? Yeah. Um, so that was his talk, which was amazing. And um, Rowena Bird, who's another one of our founders, she did her own take on it. And she talked about how can you apply that ethos of like being number one in your area? Yeah. Um, So on the train home, I was just kind of like that really resonated with me because I think the example she used was how could you be the number one place to work Hmm. in your town or in your city? Yeah. So that if, you know, if people could go to work at, you know, say any other retailer, but they saw that Lush was an option that they, oh, my God, I have to work for Lush because it's the best place. Yeah. It gives you the best kind of like, you know, employment journey. Um. So I started just brainstorming on the train back from Manchester hmm. what what people in Brighton cared about, like what the community cared about. And um, it was just really obvious. It's it was so the obvious, beach. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was the beach and it was the environment. Um, so I joined Lush Brighton uh, April last year. So the okay. showcase was in the September. Yeah. Um, and yeah um and what was really scary is the day after i got back from manchester and i was in the shop amy from peer to peer sent an email really about the silent disco beach cleans that's crazy um and the day prior to that i had messaged i think one of my supervisors um because she had mentioned um a couple of beach clean groups here in brighton and i said to her could you message them over to me because i want us to get involved um, so we joined our first event was the Hello Clean in October, and um, since then every peer to peer event that has been we've we've been there, and we also do daily beach cleans ourselves. Um, since yeah, since um, really thinking about our environment and thinking about the beach, we've done uh plastic free events in community Mm. halls we've done um talks and um making activities with schools i think that i think one of the reasons that like the lush brighton business is really growing is because um we're we're out in the community yeah um the retail climate that we're um in at the moment i think the retail consortium said that footfall in um no, like for like, sorry, for, for the retail market in May, hmm. I think they said it was down 4% compared to the previous year. Right. Um, the like for like for the Brighton business was plus 20%. Wow. <laughs> um, and I, I, a lot of, a lot of people in the lush world um, are wanting to like talk to Brighton and talk to me about like what we're doing and I, I honestly believe it's because we're not expecting people to come here. Yeah. We're we're out there in the community and, and Yeah, you are everywhere. Keep spotting you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, we've seen everywhere. each other like so much recently. Yeah, like, yeah. And I think it's it's really important, like, at the moment, because of, you know, the kind of unsettling political climate it is at the moment and yeah. people don't really know what's gonna happen. Mm. I think that on a local level that's that's where like the foundations need to be being built and we're so fortunate that we are like you know the only green constituency yeah like we're we're so fortunate that that is you know that's the community that we live in and um you know mm-hmm. the cli- cli- state of climate emergency you know all of these things i just think that 
if everyone um if everyone pitched in like even in some way it would just make a huge yeah a huge difference i've lived in a few cities now and there hasn't been one city quite like brighton where you can walk up to any person in a bar any anyone in a bar and just have a chat about um recyclable plastics and things like that yeah. and what we can do yeah, anyone. And you just walk up to anyone and have those kind of, like, oh, we've spotted another pod of dolphins. Oh, yeah, I saw that post to keep up to tabs with, say, the Brighton Dolphin Project and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is a super, like, a super aware place to to be living um, at the moment. And something that um, I've been talking to Amy from Peer to Peer about recently is seeing what we can do to get other businesses and other yeah. brands in Brighton involved in the beach cleans um so i we had a new supervisor who started this week and i did his induction on the beach hmm. and we went for a beach clean oh. so just chatted to him about his goals <laughs> and what he wanted like yeah. to achieve in his first couple of weeks whilst giving him a taste of what we do on a daily basis um and the hilton hotel yeah, team yeah. they were on the beach doing a beach oh, wow. clean That's brilliant. um so we both kind of waved and went yeah. over and i think we i think her name was aga Um, she said that they were having an environmental week um, and they wanted to be doing like beach cleans and you know giving something back to the community and we just had a little chat about peer-to-peer they'd never been to a peer-to-peer clean so she took my email address Um, I told her to follow peer-to-peer on Instagram and give them a message because I think the more um, the more brands and the more businesses that get involved like we all win yeah Um, totally like on, as, on every level yeah, um, yeah. on every level like every level. um i've said to amy before like if ever she wants us to create something where you know we we ask for businesses like support but we we talk about how like i i know and i can say that as like a a retailer in this area that being involved in the community has has built my business yeah like has like increased like our footfall our like for like and and it's because people can see that it's not we're not we're not here for the money we're not just here for the money we're not here like to just you know think about profit we're here because like we really do care about um the people of brighton like we care about you know this this being the best the best place that it can live and I think that's really reflective that when people come through our doors, you know, mm. or when we're we're out there, you know, making bath bombs with people or talking about, I don't know, mm. like plastic or regeneration. And yeah. But I think, yeah, it's, it's exactly what you said. You can walk up to anyone in Brighton and they will have an opinion <laughs> or some knowledge on, um, yeah. you know, single-use plastics. Because yeah. people care. People yeah. care a great deal. I think businesses everywhere, not just in Brighton, need to realise that people give a shit really yeah and if all you need to do is just step out of your shop like you said and just make a connection and there you've got a potential customer for life yeah i know since um like my missus introduced me to lush really i've been coming back and it's where i get my shampoo and my soaps and all that kind of stuff yeah and all of her presents all of her stocking fillers and things like that <laughs> for christmas and all of her perfumes that's where i get yeah. it from it's, it's at the brilliant. moment like people can shop online yeah. they can get what they want at the click of a button um so anyone who is choosing to leave their homes to shop hmm. they're looking for more than what they can have online so that yeah. they're looking for an experience hmm. so i think whether that is and value hmm. so I, so whether that is you know um at a beach clean or walking into our doors and having a 
you know a beautiful hair care consultation it's it I think as you know the retail climate we're in now I think that's something that you know managers and retailers need to be acknowledging that you know there are you know there are I went to um I went to Plymouth Uni and I remember when I was there, I think I was at Plymouth Uni in 2009. Yeah. Very old. Yeah. Um, and the high street was full and yeah. the high street was like, you know, full of shops. And over the years, you've just seen so many retailers like needing to, you know, take take that step back. And, yeah. and there's so many. Um, I went to Plymouth, I think, a couple of months ago. Um, because that's where my um, my partner's family is based, and it was really sad to see like the high street, um, you know, all of those vacant, mm. you know, vacant shops and Horrible, vacant fronts. And I think that yeah, if people, <clears throat> if teams and managers maybe spent a bit more time just kind of looking out, looking out their front door, and yeah. you know, not seeing their shop as just the four walls, like you mm. know you know my shop's on the beach yeah. like once a month that's like it, yeah. that's you know i've got a shop uh, on the beach and i've got a shop um <coughs> yeah, yeah on east street connect oh, it is coming up to nearly an hour yeah so we'll wrap it up if you like mm. but what i want to touch up on is before we started recording you mentioned the council has done something really special yeah What's yeah that? Um, so after our clean, um, our peer to peer, uh, collaboration on Sunday, um, I think we picked up like 70 kilos of litter. I filled my bag. Yeah. I filled my bag. It's, yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's just what happens when it's a sunny, sunny day. I mean, we did, um, me, me and Jacob, uh, from Lush Prague, we went yeah. on a little mini beach clean and we picked up four kilos wow. and it was mainly, um disposable barbecue metal and all of those bits and pieces um but on um the southeast news and the bbc news um it said that the council had responded to um the news story and they've committed to putting 300 bins on the beach which is incredible because i don't know specifically how many bins we have on the beach at the moment yeah but it it isn't enough it isn't enough and when you speak to people on the beach, like a lot of the mini beach cleans we do, people often see us and give us their rubbish because they, they do, yeah. because they know that the the nearest bin isn't you know is you know I know not too far but yeah. but you know far far enough that they weren't going to make the effort. Yeah. So I think having um having a a a larger bin presence is just going to ensure that I, I guess it's just giving people the opportunity to be more responsible. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be a mixture of like recycling bins as well. Yeah. So it means that people are going to be able to like be active in yeah. where where they're putting their rubbish. And um, it's plastic free July. So what yeah. a what an amazing kind know, of yeah. You know, you can see like on on the bins that we've already got before this like this new council bill for new bins. So you can see the these are really big six foot bins yeah. with big slidey tops on them and the rubbish is literally piling up around them in a pyramid and sometimes cut I've seen it nearly covered the whole bins aside from where it's vertical on the sides yeah it's disgusting and the seagulls as well like I yeah. know we have a yeah, huge yeah. seagull population like we're you know we're a coastal a coastal place and any bags anything that isn't in a bin yeah. they will they will rip apart and that'll just get str- like strewn across the place as well but yeah. there's a really great app 
that I wanted to mention oh, yeah. called uh, Two Minute Street Clean. They've got a two minute beach clean and a two minute street clean app. Right. Um, and we've got an A board outside the shop and we've got pickers outside the shop that customers can use. And the idea behind it is take two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes where you're walking down a street and say to yourself, I'm going to pick up everything I see on the floor. And then you can upload what you find in this app. Right. And then using this app, we can see what people are picking up on Weymouth Beach, what yeah. people are picking up in Cornwall. Oh, I see. Um, and right. it's a really it's a really great way first to see how many people are doing these little mini mini cleans, which is like so incredible. Yeah. But I mean, from a beach perspective, I've been really interested in seeing, you know, what what. Mm. Are, are our seafronts different are we finding like you know different things like i would say on our cleans we do tend to find a lot of um it's mainly like drinks yeah like whether it's a plastic cup or a bottle i see a lot of bottle caps and a hell of a lot of you know the six pack plastic beer holders those yeah. things and they're not cut through or anything i found three in my bag mm. and yeah. there's so many um i mean we do have a lot of like off licenses and corner shops yeah, and do, yeah that primarily like the you know the bottles that people grab and take to the beach it's normally coming from you know those kind of venues so yeah. um yeah it just finds its way to the beach and i think because we have a pebbled beach as well it means that yeah. things like bottle caps can be like Get really hidden, hidden. and yeah. so many beach cleans we've done with peer-to-peer -peer, people are like the beach is so clean and <laughs> when they actually start maybe start focusing and oh my god cigarette butts yeah. like Plastic. straws like cutlery straws, so many bottle caps like microplastic whatever mm -hmm. you know well the fact is what 20 by 2050 there'll be more plastic in the sea than fish sorry really by 2050 if we carry on as we are now there'll be more plastic in the sea than fish wow and that and that is taken into consideration like microplastics wow um and i think um and yeah i think uh 10% of like fish or something or have like being found with like plastic in their system and yeah it's I just believe that. but the thing yeah. is is I was talking to um Atlanta who is uh from surface against sewage she's at all the peer-to-peer -peer cleans as well okay we were having a conversation about plastic and how like plastic is an incredible material like mm. plastic saves lives yeah in terms of like when you think about like healthcare like syringes and things like that like plastic has done so much like for us as a i mean i'm getting really deep now yeah. for us as like a species um but i think the 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 place we're at now is it's not that plastic is bad it's just that we need to be aware that when we make it it isn't going anywhere yeah like it's a material that is staying around for a long time and that's you know that's the impact that you know we're seeing in our oceans and yeah. landfills in the world so you know i think the kind of focus on you know single-use plastics and you know mm. having a having our water bottle yeah i try and reuse these as many times as i can yeah. like at this evian bottle um what they're going to do for pride this year mm. is um at the ticketed events they're going to have cartons Okay. Um, so cartons that can be refilled and I think the cartons I can't remember the design of them but they have like they can be filled right up to 15 times Wow. so that's a that's commitment good. that they've made to like minimise plastic they're not going to have straws or plastic cutlery they're also going to have a pride cup 
that you yeah. can buy and get refilled. So that's a and obviously that's like great. Pride has what like four hundred and fifty thousand people come to Brighton for Brighton Pride. So yeah. for that organisation to be making those kind of steps, I know Glastonbury did lots of stuff as well. It's I can't believe I'm so proud of the people that run Glastonbury for making that move. You did see Attenborough come out on the stage. I didn't. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I have oh. seen like loads of people share. You know, I've never seen a crowd of people our age and younger silence and pay respect to this amazing man for making such a bold speech about plastics and what we can do and how yeah. proud he is of Glastonbury for making that choice. It's amazing. I love it. you got to watch it. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I will. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's just um, like what I was saying about like the two-minute clean thing. It's just a small difference. And I think so many people are like, you know, oh is me really having my own water bottle going to make a difference? It's like, it really does. Totally will. Like, our yeah. shampoo bars um, that we sell here in Lush, they're the equivalent to three bottles of shampoo. Right. Like, 80 to 100 washes. So if you maybe get through, uh, let's say you've got long hair and you get through, like, a bottle of shampoo every two months. Yeah. Like, if you've got something, like, that is, you know, you're you're saving yourself, like, I don't know, like, 12, sh- 12 shampoo. Pla- like yeah. bottles of plastic like a year that's crazy and it's that is a huge commitment that you know you can make and totally yeah i was about to ask how does lush tackle plastics and its own products so um we like all of our glitters and um kind of like lusters that we use are completely plastic free so that like there isn't plastic within our products um but we do have packaged products i think the i think the divide with naked that's what we call our packaging free products right. to um packaged products is i think 65 percent. i think over 65 percent of products in lush are naked and the other 35 are packaged um a lot of our products are made um in uh black pots yeah so that is pp plastic yeah um so we have not made a fresh black pot in eight years because we have a in-store recycling scheme where if customers bring back five of their pots they get to exchange it for a free fresh face mask so it's kind of a reward scheme for recycling but what it allows us to do is we then um send this plastic back to our green hub and pool when our deliveries get um, yeah, picked yeah. up, uh, dropped off, and they take the plastic back. This then gets um, broken down and reused. And one of the reasons that we use black plastic is because it has a lot more. It's a lot more durable. Okay. So you can break it down and you can reuse it more. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's it's that's one of my favourite things to say to customers who, you know, let's say that for example, Curly Whirly is the shampoo mm. of their dreams, but they're trying to go plastic free, and maybe buying this pot makes them feel you know makes them feel not Mm, great yeah being able to communicate with them that you know they can bring this plastic back to us and we will take responsibility for it and do something with it that's great and i think if more um my supervisor freya was telling me about small batch Mm. on western road um they at the moment um are trying to get hold of local businesses that wouldn't mind being stations to um for customers to bring uh coffee cups like and then they will recycle them so i think that if more businesses can kind of think of ways that they can kind of be responsible for the plastic or the packaging they're putting out yeah um that's excellent yeah it's and i mean obviously like it's It's so iconic as well yeah that that little tub that That little little, the little black pot yeah um but i know that so many people use these as like pots for their succulents or you know other things that they you know use them for and yeah, yeah, but if you collect five, bring them back. I've got four. Three, oh, <laughs> so close. 
Oh, no. Um, free fresh face mask. And, yeah, so it's kind of... Um, I like to describe it to people. It's like a reward scheme. You know, it is. you... Yeah, definitely. Um, th- and we always say to thank you to customers that bring them back. And customers can, can obviously bring the drinks bottle tops to us as well. Hmm. Um, and I didn't know that. Yeah. What's so that? Um, we... Basically, we accept uh, drinks bottle tops, so it can be milk bottle tops. The only bottle tops we can't take are, like, sports caps. Okay. Um, we can also take, um, like, coffee and hot chocolate, the, right. that kind yeah, of, like, yeah. thicker plastic. Um, the same with our black plastic. That gets sent back to our green hub in pool. Um, that is broken down and repurposed into building materials. So some of our demo stations on the shop floor, I'll show you before you go. Yeah, yeah. The top is made out of... Um, Milk bottle tops and drinks bottle tops. Wow. And, um, but I have found out that Brighton and Hove Council, they do recycle drinks bottle tops. The only thing that they ask is that it's attached to the bottle. Right. Because if it's loose, that when it goes through the sorting part in the recycling centre, that's when it gets lost. Right. Um, but yeah, that, and again, that's, um, I think over Christmas or maybe just before Christmas, we did a free post service where customers could, um, instead of bringing it to the shop, send it to the green hub and pool directly. Yeah. And I think in less than two months, we had six to eight tons of milk bottle tops sent to wow. us. So we did have to say, okay, we the it can't go directly yeah. to the green hub anymore because it was it was it was I mean too too much too yeah. much for our, our little green hub <laughs> to handle. Um, but we still um accept it in the shop but yeah again i don't know of a lot of brands that you know we don't make drinks so yeah, and we're taking definitely. responsibility for that plastic That's and very good of you and in a lot of our shop design and stuff it's really amazing to be able to say to people you know this is made out of you know repurposed materials like this is what we can do with yeah. you know plastic that's been made like you know we can yeah, yeah. Can think of something, maybe. You mentioned those building materials downstairs. Mm-hmm. Where do those go? Like, who um, are they used by? Um, by Lush. Um, so we, you know, we're constantly changing up the design of our shops or, um, you know, coming up with new sundries um, made out of uh, plastics. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, for example, um, our henna downstairs is now oh, yeah. uh, displayed in uh, recycled black plastic. Yeah. So instead of having, um, I mean, all of our wood is reclaimed wood. Yeah. But instead of, you know, maybe making a new bit out of reclaimed wood, like reusing that plastic as well. Wow. Um, so it's really lovely being on the shop and having those little pockets of, I don't know, talking points to kind of ask people, you know, what do you think the top of this is made out of? Yeah. Like, and I, and anyone who brings, um, like, drinks bottle tops in, I always want to show them the demo stations before they leave because I just want, I really want there to be that link yeah. that they can see, oh, my goodness, I give you this, it gets broken down and it gets transformed into something like that. Yeah, you can see like the that. process. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it gives you a proper connection with what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Right, I think we're at an hour. I think that'll do it, actually. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been That's a long okay. time coming, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to have you I back know. on at yeah. some point in the future. Yeah, I'd love it. Well, um, yeah. we're going to be doing um, some podcasting ourselves oh, as yeah. well. So we'll have to get you on it as a local yeah. um, local creative involved in lots of these groups and stuff. I'd be more than happy to do that. Yay. So all the social links, what kind of social links and what kind of events have you got? Um, so um, at Lush Brighton for f- um, 
Instagram, uh, Lush Brighton for Facebook. We have like a My Google Business thing as well. So leave us reviews, guys, if you, yeah. you know, have some great customer experience. That would be amazing. All the best reviews. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. obviously, like honest reviews as well. Like yeah. We always want to be better. Um, so we are going to be at the Clever Green Festival um, at the level on the 20th. Um, so we're going to be doing making activities and having packaging free stall, which will be amazing there. Um, and then I think the biggie is Pride. Hmm. So 2nd, 3rd and 4th of August, we will be doing some huge things every day. On the 4th of uh, August, we will be joining Peer to Peer and Oceans 8 for the Big Pride Beach Clean. So at the moment, I spoke to Amy and she said um, about a thousand people have expressed interest to join that clean. Wow. Um, so I, at the moment, I'm trying to find out what is the biggest organised clean. Yeah. Because I reckon this could be... This could be it. This could be a Guinness like yeah. world record right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's going to be a really huge organised clean. I think it's going to be running from seven till three. Yeah. Um, because Pride last year generated 52 tonnes of waste oh. from the three days. Yeah. Um, so I talked a little bit earlier about the great things that Pride have done to kind of like minimise the, the waste that, you know, is going to be put out at those events. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, the weather's more than likely to be nice. People are going to go to the beach. Um, Pride doesn't actually have any events on the beach, so it's mm. not it's not kind of an event space. But you know who who wouldn't want to go to the beach exactly, and enjoy yeah. enjoy the weather um so yeah there's going to be an event between seven till three um again more making activities uh more silent disco bops um yeah mm. and of course like keep a keep an ear out for the exclusive things they'll be coming <laughs> yeah the things that we can't mention right now no no, no hands not. are tied but follow us on social and it will be all will be revealed yeah there you go wasn't that brilliant i absolutely love that chat thank you so much sophie watson for coming on the podcast um i'd be more than happy to have you back on again and thank you lush for uh, training up such uh, an informed manager just before we end the podcast i just want to say a big thank you to our listeners for staying around to the end we really appreciate it and uh, the links to, to Lush and the things that we've been talking about to stay up to date. Uh, the links are for the Instagram, Lush Brighton. Uh, the Facebook is at Brighton Lush, one word. And the main website is www.lush.co.uk. And if you want to help the podcast in any way, the best way to do so would be to leave a review on iTunes or if you're podcast player that you're using right now has any kind of review function then leave a review there it really does help thank you so much and if you want to stay up to date with the podcast then you can always follow me on twitter which is at jordan underscore foster or you can have a look at the facebook page which is the cicada lounge podcast right that about does it i'm going to finish my drink and uh, close up shop all right thank you guys so much for dropping by and i'll see you next time